0: On episode 230, I'm interviewing Phil Ahad, Chief Digital Officer at Taluna. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by G3 Translate. The G3 Translate team offers unparalleled expertise in foreign language translations for market researchers and insight professionals across the globe. Not only do they speak hundreds of languages, they are fluent in, probably the most difficult one, market research. For more information, please visit them at g3translate.com. Hi, I'm Jamin Brazil, and you're listening to the Happy Market Research Podcast. My guest today is Phil Ahad, Chief Digital Officer at Taluna. Founded in 2000, Toluna produces online surveys and manages a consumer community of over 24 million active members in 68 countries. Prior to joining Taluna, Phil has led marketing and product strategy teams across many different industries and has held senior level positions at CoStar... AOL, and CompScore. Bill, thanks for joining me on the Happy Market Research podcast today. Thanks for having me. I really want to start out and talk about the growth that we are seeing inside of the user experience and customer experience space. You know, if you see like, the SMR data, market research largely has been flat, and yet you have these massive growth uh, revenue numbers in the companies that are focusing on user experience and customer experience. I mean, I kind of like, I don't know if you follow hashtags on LinkedIn, you know, I, I pay a lot of attention yeah. to that. And and so just as a point of reference, market research is around 350,000 to 400,000 people that follow that hashtag. Whereas uh, user experience research is around 4.5 million. So it's crazy like the Delta between you know, the amount of people that are following these different trends and the attention they're getting, despite the fact that in a lot of ways they're doing similar types of methodologies. Application might be different where they sit in the org structure is different. But right. anyway, so like, are you guys seeing this in shift inside of your cu- your core customer base? Are you seeing there's a, you know you know, like you got the market research lane dialed in. You guys have been around for two decades, solidly two decades. Are you seeing a growth in some of these other areas? You know, it's
1: interesting. I think um, if I look back in terms of the work we've done over the last two years, specifically the last two years, because market just changing so quickly, it's always been somewhat focused in user experience or customer experience testing. I mean, part of the NPD, you know, process has right. a big chunk of. Users want to consume how they want to consume it. How your customers are providing you feedback of this concept or of this product that's in market. Me, I see the uplift or let's call it the buzz on user experience and customer experience testing as a term. You know, we're seeing you know Qualtrics being sold for you know, X amount of billions and they're heavily focused on marking their position as the CX platform. And you see Medallia over the last like month their, their IPO was quite successful. Again, p- pushing the customer experience word and, and buzzword um, within their marketing messaging. But for us, we're platform play and from the testing that we do, I mean, it's always been quite focused on it. Nothing's really has changed. We have the platform, we have the technology, and we have the methodology to provide this type of testing. It's part of our research process. It's part of our, our toolkit.
0: This is what I've been let me just try like story it a little bit you know in gosh 98 99 i was doing work with intuit uh, with their in their in-house usability right and we were literally just all i was doing was recruiting respondents to show up for on-site interviews they were task driven etc etc a lot of that has moved online or i should say not moved online but it's been augmented with online methodologies where you know uh, people are given specific tasks to do and give feedback User story is a platform that does a good job of kind of capturing uh, that that sort of feedback, and there's a million different other platforms, right? But but you know, one of the things that I'm really curious about is like the way that you're framing your solution. Is it slightly different to these? I'm going to call them new researchers, even though it's their established disciplines, like in UX specifically, as it relates with like product development, for example. Yeah, it's, that was a lot of words. Did that question yeah, make sense? Sorry. No,
1: I think that's <laughs> exactly what you're saying. I mean, for us, I mean, we're seeing a ton of innovation and a ton of new ways and new methodologies to conduct research and to get to where you need to get to make a business decision. For us, it's not just a technology play, right? It's not just, we're going to give you a survey tool, right? Or we're going to give you an insights platform that's going to allow you to automate the, the procurement of these insights so that you can make a decision faster. It's a combination of both, right? The technology has to also adjust with the methodology right? If we're going to take an amazing tech stack, right? A tech stack that's focused on automation, speed, and visual reporting and insights, but we're going to use data methodology within that tech stack, you're not going to kind of improve your process. You're not going to get there faster. You're going to make decisions faster. You're not going to improve that NPD process faster. So for us, it's a combination of both things. And what we're seeing from the, you know, the new product development uh, process from start to finish, we're seeing more stages being infused to do some user testing right to do some customer experience feedback you know when we're going from like screening a bunch of ideas to actually going in and and testing specific concepts to then seeing the feedback from the clients we're seeing more touch points more pulse touch points from let's test the user experience and let's test the feedback from the customer experience and let's see if we're on the right track because nowadays you can do so much more research with just about the same amount of budget But in the past, you pretty much do like one research project, and that would consume your budget for an entire quarter. Today, you can do 100 research projects within that one specific budget line. Does that make sense?
0: Perfectly. So it's a lot like, you know, you have the traditional market research buyer, which is, you know, still leveraging large or whatever market research firms for a big part of the actual, you know, day-to-day deliverables. But at the same time, you know, you've got the uh, researcher or the product person that is sitting there on the floor trying to make a decision on this versus that, for example. Right. And are you seeing like those people leveraging market research tools like Taluna's more and more? In other words, is that part of the, the customer shift that's taking or augment that's taking place? For sure. Or is it still just in, the, you know, is the lane of winning just in the market research?
1: They... no we're definitely seeing a combination of both right and what we're also seeing yeah. is a collapse within those 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 businesses of those groups right it's more mm-hmm. so the product development team um the engineering team the r&d team they're going to their research insights groups and they're saying okay we, we want to test these ideas it's not as much as that they're taking on this work themselves because it gets quite complicated and now that we're realizing right. these these research teams have a way of stretching those budgets to do more than their typical like 200 question tracker once a quarter, right? They're able to consume more work and they're able to take on more work because it's far more easier today to do, you know, concept screening than than it was in the past. And again, it's also a lot more budget friendly to do that. So where we're seeing today, really the growth of our work, we're doing a lot more pre-work, than we had done in the past, as opposed to just testing that specific concept and then maybe testing it in a market. We're screening actually, you know, 200 concepts, a lot more down to, you know, a combination of like 10 to 15 that they potentially want to act on and then do the concept testing on. And then we're also seeing a lot more qual work throughout this process. So you mentioned, you know- Oh, interesting. it having more, you know, Focus group type settings. We're doing a lot more qualitative online qual work, where we've gone through the screening process, and maybe there was a one concept of these, you know, fifty or so that they're screening, internally they thought it was killer, but it completely failed through the screening process. You know, there may be a, a it is an easy way within our platform to pull, you know, the subset of those people who said they weren't interested in it pull them into an online qual discussion in real time and then have a discussion on specifically what missed. Maybe it was a communication thing. Maybe actually the idea really did suck, right? Or, you know, maybe it's a different way of positioning it. Um, So we're seeing of the entire process, more infusion of Pulse qualitative research, and then a lot more infusion of qual discussions as we go through that process.
0: That's interesting. So like your customer, it sounds like, you know, one of the big shifts is this this movement i feel like it's overused but agile research right so the integration of research alongside the day-to-day operations of the business um, informing things i want to unpack the one use case you just highlighted because i feel like it's it's fairly unique from my vantage point it sounds like what i heard you say was you have a quant survey with or equivalent and you're getting feedback at scale and there's a carve out of respondents that you're interested in doing a deeper dive qualitative type assessment. Yeah. Is there an automation built into that workflow or are you like pulling the list out and then just not just, but, the, and then doing the solicitation and scheduling with those individuals?
1: Yeah, this is the, this is, I, mean, I believe anyway, I'm biased because, you know, I work for a company, <laughs> right? But right. I mean, You know, that's okay. Yeah. No, I mean, for, for me, it, I think one of, one of our fastest growing products is something we call Quick Communities, right? It's integrated directly into our quick Service platform. Quick Communities, essentially, you know, as basic as I'll explain it to you, it gives you the ability to have like a Skype conversation with one-on-one or a multiple group of people in real time, right? So I can launch my yeah. survey through the quick Service platform. And I can say, you know what? Anyone who answered question you know, one like this, question two like this, or vice versa, independently, I want at the end of the survey, I want to recruit them into this call discussion in real time right now i can set up that call discussion to happen immediately when the survey ends or i can schedule it for tomorrow morning whatever the communication would be automatic to that specific respondent as they're going through the survey they've qualified for it at the end they'll say congratulations we'd like to actually ask you some more questions are you interested in joining this really quick chat and then it will direct them right into the chat and you can have that discussion right away so this is completely diy you have the ability to set this up Mm -hmm. as a diy user or if you don't have the time or you don't have the moderation skills to do it we can take on that work for you. It's how we kind of empower our users today. I think it's one of our biggest differentiators is, you know, you can save money and it's gonna be faster because you're doing it, right? And you're doing it in real time. Or you spend a little bit more because you don't have the resources or the time to do it yourself. And the Taluna, the Harris Interactive teams can take it on and do it for you.
0: So like that's such an interesting. I've not I wish I could say I would have thought of that as the CEO of Focus Vision. <laughs> 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 right? Because that would have been like a natural kind of uh opportunity for connectivity. Yeah. It wouldn't be an easy thing for any company to do, right? The company to
1: right. do this has to have an online community, so a, an interact, I'm sorry, an engaging online panel and then technology built into it, right? So for us it's a natural thing, right? Cuz all of our quick surveys go directly to the Tulano panel network, to Tulano.com That's in 68 different markets, right? So the person's taking the survey on the panel site, right? And then they're already registered. They've already opted in We already have demographic information, right? They're already double opted into this thing. So then they're not leaving that environment when they need to go into this qual discussion. It's part of the panel, right? So Mm. it's a great idea. But if you don't have that panel, that online community panel site, and then you don't have the technology and the survey engine and the moderation tools to do it, it'd be a really difficult thing because then you're going to recruit people into an online qual. Like if I was going to send a survey to Lucid, Right. And I'm getting paid like right plays. now when I have an online discussion, I'm going to have to send a landing page to register for that online community and go through that process. And that's where you're going to lose a ton of people.
0: All right. Well, I mean, you've kind of alluded to this point that I wanted to get to, which is eccentric to the, the roll ups that have been happening. A P2 sample recently yeah. did a big announcement, right? Dynata, obviously, we talked about that one before on the show. Probably the biggest piece of M&A news in the last, I don't know, forever, maybe since uh, Greenfield online went public in whatever year that was 2001 or two or three, three, I guess. But anyway, so like with the, all of these rollups that are happening, is this a threat or an opportunity from your vantage point for a company like Taluna?
1: you know, I mean, obviously I'm going to, I'm going to say it's an opportunity, but you know, all of these changes in the market have to be, you know, followed and we have to identify, you know, what is that going to mean to us in the, the competitive landscape of things? You know, I think it's an opportunity because for us, you know, it's stability, right? Um, we're, hmm. you know, we're investing heavily in our technology platform. We're investing heavily in our in our panel um, at the moment too. Our attention isn't being moved away because we're going to plan for an IPO or we need to get acquired or we need investment or we need funding, right? Um, so that's where I see it's, it's a strength for us because of just how stable we've been over the past two years with a lot of unrest uh, within the market and a lot of you know other companies eating eating each other up. Now, to be upfront and honest too, I mean, we're always looking to acquire companies that fit our Mission right and fit the things that we're trying to do from a panel situation, from a technology situation, like a, a niche player in the market. You know, because we do so much ourselves, you know, we we tend to rather build than buy. But with so many new advancements in technology, so many niche players in the space, we're always looking to to see if there's a, a natural fit for us in terms of what we're trying to do from a from a research and an insight standpoint.
0: I mean, that's interesting because there's there's a host of companies that have been entering the space. Since the acquisition, since uh, uh, Qualtrics yeah. did their big announcement, right? And I mean, so for example, I don't know if you've been following this thread on uh, on my LinkedIn, but we've recently enrolled in startup school, which is part of Y Combinators. It's the largest accelerator for tech-based startups globally. Well, there's 23,000 companies that are in our cohort, yeah. right? there's, a, I mean, it's an insane number. Now, you know, there's only a small fraction that are inside of the insight space, but the the broader point is that, you know, there's a massive amount of growth that is happening inside of the start- startup or the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot of new entrants, even in the last six months, inside the technology entrant centric uh, specifically, you know, that are trying to leverage in. And it's interesting because they don't come with the baggage that I have as a market research professional. Yeah kind of the this grandfatherly point of view but they're connecting to a i call it the new researcher which is everybody inside of the organization uh i had the head of product on the show last week rion and for sorry for postmark which is a um uh it's basically an email service for apps anyway it's widely utilized and he was saying yeah like it's a do or do not there is no try organizationally for research everybody has to be doing it, uh, some level of consumer interaction in order for us just to maintain truth of the consumer point of right. view so like when you're thinking about M&A cuz you're right you guys have historically built versus buy yep. do you think that could be part of the narrative for Taluna?
1: i mean for sure and you know the Qualtrics acquisition last year, to me, was—I mean, it's great news for the industry, right? Because of course, it's going to open up a bunch of really smart, young, and up-and-coming engineers to invest in this space. Yep. And historically, in the past, you know, no research company has been acquired for for any type of value like that, especially X over revenue, right? Right. That valuation and that acquisition is typical technology. And to have that in the market research space is obviously, that's why you have 23,000 people kind of starting up. It's gonna be great for us because there's gonna be these niche players who come and think about things in a completely different way than a historical researcher. You know, and uh, when I joined Taluna almost, you know, over seven years ago, although I had a stint at Comscore, I told myself when I was at Comscore, it it was a long time ago, right? I was like, I'll never work in market research again. It's just like, why, right? Obviously, I came to Toledo because of the uniqueness of the opportunity, but I'm, you know, coming in fresh and not coming in with 10 years of market research baggage and coming in with 10 years of like, this is how I've always done it. So I'm going to always do it this way. You know, right. I was quite disruptive here, right? And I hired people who didn't come from market research to lead products and lead innovation and lead ideas because, again, they're they're disrupting the standard. When we purchased Harris Interactive, it was the same thing. It was like... Why are we doing it this way? Well, because it's always we've done it that way. But do you really need to have like 17 nested quotas to do a, a survey on popsicles? I don't know. I don't think so, right? <laughs> so This is kind of like where we're at. We need to. Only 17? Yeah, we need to like, we need to really, really push for change in the industry. And not because we want to. It's because our clients demand it. When well, we talk about speed, we talk about cost. Well, traditional research is expensive, right? New research mm. doesn't have to be. Like I'd rather have a hundred different ways of looking at one thing than just one way of looking at it because I had to to sit to a budget or I had to to sit to a specific time, right? And I think this is where we're at today. We're going to get consumed with data, right? And data, Hmm. multiple different data points and multiple different ways of doing something to collect a data point so that you can result in a business action is going to be the future, right? Well, it, it is the future today, right? And actually how we consume the data, and I think this is where the next innovation has to come, right? is that we've got, you know, DMP data, you've got stated data, you've got third-party data, you've got cookie tracking data, you've got behavioral tracking data. I mean, there's so many different sources, right? And the aggregator of these data sources who makes it clean and easy, right, so that you can look to the data right away and you can get what you need to make from a business decision and then act on it, that's what we have to invest in right now. And, I mean, the companies that I've started to talk to just from, a you know, just fresh into the space with ideas, this is kind of what they're focused on right now. So, the aggregator of the data is to mirror are going to, are going to be the real future. Building another survey tool and building a different way to ask a question. I mean, how much more different ways can we do that, right? So, um, that's what I mean, from an MA standpoint, that's kind of uh, where my focus is
0: at the moment. So, like, really quick, like, you guys have actually, in a lot of ways, uh, so I, I went through the join process of your panel in preparation for our meeting today and uh, your influencer panel. Yep. And the initial framework for that is completely different than it has I've ever seen, you know, joining a panel. I'm not saying that I'm like, maybe I've joined 20 panels. I don't know, but not like all of them, yeah. but having said that, I mean, it like, it is a very, you know, unique exper- interactive experience where somehow, and I don't exactly know, and I've tried to reverse, like in my head with my team, even said, go, you know, this is really interesting. How can you reverse engineer that? Right. But it's a very unique experience. So anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to like cut you off, but my broader point is that we are still seeing innovation in these, you know, in the checkbox space.
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to state that, you know, I, I just think there's good, we need to do, we need to do things differently, right? We just can't continue right. to rely on, ask this. And, you know, tell me this, and then I'll react right. to that, right? It's going to have to be a, a combination of different data sources. And for us, too, the, the panel experience is going to be critical for us moving forward, right? We need to, as they're joining, right, and as they're collecting, we need to give them the most relevant surveys or the most relevant projects as possible at that that one, they're interested in, because then they're gonna leave, right? We can't hold people's attention anymore for 30 minutes. It's like impossible. I, I mean, some, some groups of people, you could pay them a hundred dollars and they're not gonna take a survey for 30 minutes, right? So we've gotta figure out a different way that we can engage within panelists, within consumer panelists, um, to collect the information that we need to drive business decisions, right? And there's going to be a multitude of different ways of doing this, Just not just from mobile and not just from online surveys, right? It's from data collection. It's from a combination of sources of, of what we've seen from, you know, the stuff from DMP is going to help us make these decisions too. So I kind of, that's where my mind is at right now, where the team's mind is at is like, what are the other different ways that we can collect data, collect consumer data, keep the experience positive and keep these people um, in the system.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, it's a drum that I've been beating a lot over my career, which is you know the more data sources that you can integrate into your store, your consumer story, then the one the more compelling the story is, and two the more accurate it's going to be, right? Yeah. Because you're not just biased with your lens or the self-reported lens of the uh, average consumer. It's really interesting. It just you know, but as I keep thinking, kind of finishing the thought on relative to your you know M and A thesis, are you thinking that? part of a thesis is more bent on technology versus customer uh size customer book size uh you mean panel size or yeah no sorry like like is it more like are, are you guys thinking more Are you? do you have more interest in interesting technologies that are kind of outside of the box touching other other non-traditional buyers or is it like you know the typical and i don't mean this in a bad way but the typical kind of like looking at Dynata buying SSI, right? So in that case, it was this more of a financial consideration was a major part of the thesis no, I don't because understand. of cost reduction.
1: I, I wouldn't disregard any opportunity, right? I mean, but mm-hmm. if I look at the things that we can do internally versus the things that would be um, harder or more costly, you know, obviously the, the there's a lot of interest in uh, some really innovative and, and niche technology that either we haven't thought about or You not right. thought about. So that interests me. Right. Right. And we're passionate about these things. So we were the first company to buy a digital tracking technology. We bought it for any computer from Nielsen. Right. Um, Four years ago now. So we were were always we've always prided prided ourselves about being ahead of the game, especially from a market research technology standpoint. But right now, I mean, you know, we've got excellent technology, in-house built technology to manage and run panels. We're improving our panel experience across mobile, across the site, across digital tracking. We've got an excellent B two B consumer insights platform to procure the, this data, analyze sure. this data. Um, so from end to end, I think from a foundational standpoint, we're really strong. So would I be interested in buying another Taluna type or like an SSI type? No, probably not, right? But again, I don't make those decisions, right? I got to report to, <laughs> to the week, we got report to the, <laughs> the board and freaking my baby. Oh no. know sample x companies for us so he's going to make that decision but these are just my recommendations for me i'd rather you know continue to invest in what we're doing you know we've got you know 200 product and engineering staff across the world who are focused on this it's not enough in my opinion but we've got a good amount of people and they're really smart and they're really hungry and they're energized about what they can do within market research so yeah i'd like to really focus on those niche technologies that are out there that could you know transform the way you digest and then, and then react to data. Uh, but again, yeah, if the right panel company or if the right survey company um, comes into play, that makes sense from us and makes sense for our mission, Yeah, why not?
0: You guys have been doing a lot in the way of, I don't mean to like sound all infomercially fanboy, but just practically speaking, like a lot in the way of innovating the respondent experience. I assume, you know, framing out the influencer versus a traditional like respondent or people that take surveys, that's a psychologically, a really interesting shift for me. I'm sure you don't have the statistics off to the top of your head, but like, I I imagine you guys have been paying attention to things like retention and engagement and that sort of thing. Um, are you seeing those, this reframing of the respondent as an influencer, having a material like lift in terms of their Long-term stickiness.
1: We went through a reorganization. I'm not sure if you've, you you were aware of that, but uh, the, one of the reorganization. not. Is we took over. Um, so we our panel team was in the historically has been tied with our operations team, right? And what we did was we took the panel team, and now we've we've combined it with uh, the product team and the marketing team, right? Because in my in our eyes now, so this is all heads up. It's all now falls under a digital group, which which I lead, right? So panel, product, and marketing are all aligned. Because in my opinion, without our pro- without the panel, our products really don't. They're not they're nothing special, right? It's just not a. <laughs> it's it's right. It's empty house. Yeah, the combination of these two things make us incredibly unique and powerful in the, in the space. So that I can we can do really cool and, and creative things like integrate a quick community, a qual online function chat within our quick surveys platform, right? Because if you're just a survey tool, then you're one of 25 other survey tools. They're all great survey tools, right? The uniqueness is the immediate access to a panel and an online panel that's in 68 markets, right? That we're collecting 1 million completes every single day on. So, you know, to me, you know, we ask about retention rates and lifetime value. Since we integrated these teams and I took over the panel team, I've been absolutely obsessed with this because there's no bigger waste in my mind than sending people into a router, right? Into, into your survey engine and having them go through 10 minutes until they get to a complete. And in this day and age, we know so much about people. It makes no sense that I'd send them into a blind survey that I know after 10 questions it's going to have a screen out, right? This is something that we're still challenged with today. So this is an industry challenge. So this is the things that we're focused on right now is that we've got so much profiling data on people, whether it be stated, claimed, whether it be tracked, whether it be through a DMP that we need to do a better job when we're putting a project out to our panelists, that we understand what that project is. So that I'm not just saying, okay, I'm throwing 10,000 starts at a a project to get to 1,000 completes. We know that there's gonna be a screen out and we know that this person will get screened out. There's no point to send them out to the firing squad, squad, right? So for me, the biggest improvement in a panel experience is getting them to completes. Because let's be honest, they've joined this panel to get rewarded, right? And if they're not getting rewarded, then we have wasted their time and they're not going to come back, right? So although we've done historically a really good job with this, we can do far better. And that's what our focus of right now is to have the best panel experience from start to finish. And it helps, too, that our router is built and owned by us, too. So we can play these mechanisms, we can play these games within, within the system. So, you know, first-time joiner, first joiner gets high IR studies, gets shorter studies, they get kind of getting into the process of being in a panel slowly, as opposed to, you know, a person's been in our panel for over a year and is getting hammered with 10 survey invites a day. Well, they're used to that, right? So, you know, different segmentations of our panelists get different types of experiences, and those experiences are tailored to what we know about them. And then they're getting rewarded and they're providing their feedback and they're providing quality feedback to them.
0: Yeah, it's like AI enabled or machine learning enabled uh, routing, right? So I've got a half written, it's like you have access to my Google Docs. I have a half written white paper on your true LOI, yeah. uh, length of interview, excuse me. Yeah. And my thesis is that you know, on average, somebody that goes to the router is, is going to uh, be disqualified seven times. In other words, the eighth time on average, they're going to get into a qualifying survey mm. and they've probably answered the same six questions each yeah. in each one of those screening. Right. And, and so, you know, you could be looking at upwards of six to nine minutes that the person's already been just trying to qualify, going through a qualify qualification process, which has a psychological impact on, you know, your willingness to be receptive to new ideas and you know, fret, overall fatigue, et cetera, et cetera. It's going
1: to have a direct impact on quality too, right? Because then they're going to have yeah. to just make stuff up to hope to get qualified. Right. Just
0: got to get through this. have yeah.
1: already given you eight eight minutes that I'm never going to get back. Exactly. So, you know, it, to me, like the panel experience and, and lifetime value of panels isn't just going to be one thing, right? It's going to be a, a, a multitude of things, you know, how engaging the surveys are. Right. And you're right. If we're gonna ask the same six questions over and over again to collect demographic information or profiling information, that's a terrible experience for any one of our panelists. This is why we actually yeah. append this information. Like if we have that information and you're asking for it, we don't ask the panelists of it. It skips and it gets right. a into it too. So, you know, we're doing I think we're doing a lot of the right things, but I think still, just like every other company right now in the space, there is so much that we can improve on and this is really what we're investing in right now. We've rebuilt our entire router mechanism this year. All right we've rebuilt the way we've collect we're collecting profiling attributes and how we're leveraging profiling attributes in projects not just from our diy platform but even from our uh, project and field management teams like how they're integrating or how they're using the profiles to get projects done we've revamped that entire process too so this year we've really kind of i'd say we we, we really changed our entire mindset of how we're not just managing the panel but how we're leveraging and using the panel
0: i want to shift gears a little bit and talk about this whole we've seen massive disruption. Zoom had their S one. I'm sure you had a peek at it. Yep. Um, insane growth in a completely saturated marketplace that had a you know very very dominant Citrix type, right? Uh, I think owned by Oracle. You know just dominant players entrenched, and yet you know Zoom comes out with massive growth, with 160 some odd percent. You know it's just insane. Yeah. The revenue number numbers, etc. You've got. You know, superhuman, which is a sexy startup. We don't know what the revenue numbers are, but everything about them says they're going to be a big deal. Uh, they are basically just a better email client that sits on top on top of Gmail. Anyway, obviously Slack that everybody is using and and familiar with. When you think about like Taluna, which is a storied 20-year-old, you know, veteran in the industry. Like what are the three big challenges that you as a chief digital officer right have to address? How do you how do you maintain that tension between like the established versus making sure that you don't lose sight of right yeah. the the next big thing? So
1: I don't think we're like the established at all, even though for a 20-year company or a 50-year company, right? The companies that stay ahead of these games or that are on top of innovation are constantly figuring out ways to innovate um, the norm or just what our clients need. So, you know, Qualtrics was a 20-year company, right? And now everyone thinks of them as the, you know, the technology player in, in, in this space. You know, I mean, for us, and it's it's been proven by our our growth and our revenue, our, our digital portfolio business is up 70%, percent h one versus H1 last year, right? Our adop- Wow,
0: congratulations. Yeah,
1: our do- yeah, thank you. Our adoption of our technology actually is like the easiest thing for us to sell right now. And it's not because the technology is amazing, right? And it's not because the panel is great, right? It's not because our services team is awesome and worldwide and are on 24 hours. It's a combination of all three of these things, right? And for us right now, you know, it's continued investment in, in these three buckets because we're, we're not really focused on, you know, automation and a- agile insights. is. The thing right now. It's been the thing right now. Um, and while we can easily do that, it's not gonna be the single one thing that drives your growth or drives your adoption of clients. Because at some point, you know, they want automation, but in some cases the, the work doesn't fit an automated solution. So there has to be some custom attributes to that. And having that ability to you know allow your clients to choose rather than forcing your clients in the single solution that you offer is gonna what's driving growth. So, you know, I'm really more focused on how we can be agile to our client needs. But at the same time ensuring cost and ensuring speed if we've got to infuse our research team into the process to get something done for you know colgate or unilever or coke or pepsi or whatever right Um, how we can pull them in quickly enough by using our own technology internally and then next time training them to how to use it themselves and then they can save more money and then giving them the ability to decide okay I can take this on myself and save money, or I'm gonna pass it on to the, the Toluna and Inherit services teams to, to do it for me because I don't have the time and the resources. That to me is how we're gonna to continue to uncork growth. And then because you go back to your point on on staying at the forefront of, of innovation, you know, you mentioned three things, I can't really think of three things at the top of my head. You know? <laughs> well, it's not a test, yeah. so that's fine. No, but I mean, for me, you know, the way we kind of build and the way we plan for our roadmaps, you know, within our engineering and product teams, you know, most of the time it's reacting to client needs and, and changes in the industry, mm. right? Like when we launch a, a quick communities or online call where we want to integrate digital tracking into our system, it, it isn't because one person in our team will be, oh, I got a great idea, right? No, it's a combination of testing and, and, and working directly with clients. Like everyone in our product team is exposed to clients on a consistent basis. They're not just sitting in a, in a corner in a box and just building whatever comes to their to their, to their minds, right? We, we put them in front of clients on purpose because we really need to understand the client need and if you ask a client like you know how they want to do concept testing in the future they're going to always give you the same answer but that's not how we're going to do it because that's not they just want it faster right so we need to come out at a different angle to solve for that specific need so within our planning process, you know, a lot of stuff is maintenance, a lot of stuff is enhancements, but then we always parse out 15 to 20 percent of our time on forward thinking innovation, on testing new things, new mm. concepts and testing new ideas. And we have a team that's constantly focused on, on like understanding the landscape, not just of the market research landscape, but of other industries to see if there's anything that we can take from there and then adopt into our technology stack. And then to see if that's, that's going to be going to be sticky and, and move forward. So that's kind of how we're trying to attempt to stay at the forefront of innovation. nation. Now, the problem is like we're a company and because of the way Frederic operates too, he loves to do new things, right? He loves testing new ideas and he's constantly pushing us to test new ideas. But at some point you get to a situation where, wow, you're going to have like 35 products to manage. And that gets really difficult and then you might even get to a riskier situation where you're just average at 30 different things right or even 10 different things so trying to stay focused on what we're really really good at which is like this npd research flow from testing start to finish and then trying to parse out some time for really focusing on innovative new technologies to infuse that process is kind of where we're at right now
0: do you think that like part of the as i reflect on my time at focus vision You know, I've often wondered if I would have been better off having the individual brands maintain autonomy, kind of like the Google to YouTube, right? Versus the single umbrella. I'm not second guessing my decisions. I just kind of like wonder, well, would that have been an interesting, like, do you think that that sort of framework, is that something that you guys think has a place in the future or is it more of the, you know, just the bigger bolt on brand?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it, it, it really depends on the environment and the solutions, right? And, you know, right now we're, we're we're literally managing three brands at the moment, right? We've got the Toluna brand, the Harris brand, we've got the Kurun brand in, in China. And, you know, the more brands you kind of throw into it, the more expensive it gets to manage, from, especially from a marketing standpoint too. So if it fits, you know, Harris, Toluna from a solution standpoint, then it makes sense to, to roll it under one of those brands at the moment. If it's completely unique, you know, then, you know, it justifies it being a standalone brand. If it's got a a really niche following too, you know, I think those are decisions that, that we make, but, you know, I don't think there's one right way or the other. I mean, for us, for right now, I'd love to just continue to manage the three that we have rather than adding another layer into it. But again, if the situation calls for it, then that's what we'll do.
0: Yeah. It's all about those, those audibles. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. So automation, Big deal. I'm thinking about the one use case that you highlighted already, right? Which is this integrated qualitative uh, follow-up into a into a survey. And you know, we're seeing automation continue to drive positive outcomes for both the end user, right, of the right. research, but then also the financial considerations for the or the multiples for the uh, market research companies. Um, what are I'll say three, but it doesn't have to be three, a few. How's that? What are a few, three? (laughs) Give me three tips. Give the listeners three tips that they should consider when thinking about bringing automation into their workflows.
1: Yeah. I mean, for us right now, it's, you know, it's what your, what your goal is for the program, right? Because to me, I mean, automation comes in so many different aspects. But like, you know, you take full end-to-end automation with like one of our power modules, which is a completely closed box for concept testing, right? It's an automated template, it's automated reporting, it's automated sampling. It's literally end-to-end automation. You're telling the technology, hey, "I want to do this concept test against three, you know, three to nine assets, and to millennials or to a group of people, right?" And then the technology takes it. Literally, it's a five-minute setup, and your research is out there. To me, that works for a lot of our clients who do a lot of standardized testing, who do the same type of concept testing survey over and over again, right? But if you need to add a wrinkle to it and if you need some sort of customization to it, then it won't work because, it's, again, it's a closed box. So what we're seeing is, you know, clients want a blend of that. They want maybe like half of it or a percentage of the questions to be standard all the single time. But then they want to give their researchers or their consumer insights team some flexibility to add, you know, out-of-the-box questions or if it's specific to that concept or, or that product or that uh, use case, they wanna add some questions to it. So once you start to customize the automated platform, it gets less and less automated. For us right now, the focus is, okay, what's the in-between? Is it completely custom, which mm. we know takes time, right? And if it's completely automated, we know it's incredibly limited. So what's that halfway point? And that's what we're kind of testing right now too. So really understanding the client need, because some clients can fit in you know one or two of those um, different spectrums, but most clients now are fitting in that middle, right? They want X amount completely automated and then they want the ability to do custom stuff to it. And this is what we're providing within our platform today is like, you know, you can take the standardized, completely automated function, pull it out of its, of its, um, of its box, and then just take bits and pieces of it and then do, you know, a blended approach to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Goldilocks, right? Right. So, and I think you're right. You almost have to have the three beds or the, the DIY, the fully yeah. do it for me, you know, highly customized, but then also that layer in between, you need to have the squishiness to um, accommodate for the hybrid approaches, which I agree with you, actually, I think is becoming more and more part of the need in the market.
1: The challenge that actually we're facing today, uh, well, not is a challenge, but the challenge we're getting from C levels at some of these brands is, you know, I don't, actually don't want my consumer insights teams to have a completely open system to do whatever they want, right? Right. Because like, you know, the CI team for detergents versus CI team for like handheld soap or whatever, right? Or in different markets, CI in Italy versus CI in, in, in the UK might be testing the same products, but because they can do whatever they want, the methodology would be different. And it might test amazing in the UK, but really poorly in Italy because of how the, the test was conducted. So they're pushing for standardization. Um, which is great for us because that's kind of what we do anyway, right? But then when it actually gets into field to those specific teams, then those specific teams are, well, no, because we, you know, it's a different market, there's some local things that we've got to ask or it also won't make sense. Like what they're testing in the UK may necessarily mean, make any sense to what they're testing in Italy. Um, and that's kind of our challenge. Like how far can you give them an open box versus a closed box to what meets their business needs in each one of these different markets?
0: Congratulations on your success year over year, 70% is no joke. So uh, yeah, that is huge. I'm very excited about hearing more about the products that you guys are launching. And I'm hoping that you re- guys release a white paper on the stickiness factor for respondents, given your pre post <laughs> positioning of the influencer <laughs> thing. I think that would be really and interesting.
1: Already, and, and we, can, we can collaborate on it.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. No, totally. I would love that. That'd be awesome, actually, for sure. I'm going to coordinate that with Janice. So my guest today has been Phil Ahad, Chief Digital Officer at Taluna. Thank you, Phil, very much for joining me on the Happy Market Research Podcast today.
1: Thanks, Jamin. Take care.
0: Everybody else, if you enjoyed this episode, please take time, screenshot, share it. I would greatly appreciate it. It helps other insight professionals like you find this content. As always, your five-star review is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful rest of your day. this episode is sponsored by G3 Translate. The G3 Translate team offers unparalleled expertise in foreign language translations for market researchers and insight professionals across the globe. Not only do they speak hundreds of languages, they are fluent in, probably the most difficult one, market research. For more information, please visit them at g3translate.com.